Welcome to the podcast, Working with Children and Young People. It's hosted by me, Dr. Kay Calver. In each episode, I will be joined by a special guest to explore different career options relating to working with children and young people. We will also explore current issues facing the sector and offer top tips for achieving your desired career. This week I'm joined by Tim, who has secured a job as a kindergarten teacher in China, working with three to four-year-olds. Tim graduated from the University of Bedfordshire in 2023 after studying for a BA Honours Early Childhood Education with Graduate Practitioner. Tim shares his experiences of working with young children abroad and how to find jobs in other countries. We discuss salary expectations and how to negotiate a competitive salary and other employment perks. So hi, Tim. Um, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, so you're on um, to talk about your new role, um, which I'm very excited to hear more about, um, as you are one of our students that is off to China. So would you like to tell us a little bit about um, what the job is uh, and what that's going to involve? Um, so it's the the title is a kindergarten teacher um it's working in a school in uh a, a city called Wenzhou which is like on the east coast a bit south of Shanghai um and yeah I'll be working in like a class uh where maybe I think they said it's between 15 and 20 children and I'll have um, Chinese teachers in there with me. Um, and yeah, it's basically like just, just working as a kindergarten teacher that like the lessons are quite soft, I believe. Uh, the children are going to be ages like three and four. Um, so it's ages that I've got, age groups that I've got like a lot of experience working with. So it's quite similar then to like a nursery um, or like a preschool in our country then, if people are kind of familiar with the kindergarten system. So it'll be age three and four. So your kind of role is a bit like an early years te- teacher, would you say? Yeah. 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 Like uh, there will be lessons, um, but the lessons are quite broad and the, the, uh, the, the desired outcomes are quite um you know soft um it's probably kind of you said earlier when we were talking about it before that it does mirror the eyfs so i'm guessing it's a system that's still based on kind of learning through play yeah they they that particular nursery follows the eyfs framework um i'm not sure like how strictly they follow it um i guess i'll find out when i get there uh but yeah they're they they said that like because because there's sort of like the idea that like chinese parents and asian culture is very like strict with with learning even at a young age um but i think i think there's sort of a an influence uh of like western ideas and things like that that are changing that slightly um but yeah the the individual parents might be might be different um yeah it's uh 
I guess as well, it's kind of like they're they're going to that particular kindergarten. The desired outcome is to learn English, um, rather than like maths or whatever like that. Um, I think I think like from what I know as well, I think I can talk with the parents quite well and like sort of respond to them by saying that just just by being in this environment, they will they will pick up language. So there's no expectation for you as a member of staff to speak Chinese. You are going there and and working, teaching and speaking English all of the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, and the Chinese teachers in the class uh, will speak English as well. Um, they'll only speak Chinese. They'll switch to Chinese if there's like a problem or something uh, that you know a kid needs help with something or there's an accident stuff like that then then they'll speak in chinese but other than that they'll they'll speak in english as well to try and keep the whole room like in in one direction yeah okay so how did you um go about finding this job so for context you've graduated this summer so in the summer of 2023 so how did you go from studying an early years degree uh, in the UK to going off and working in China? Um, so this job was, I found it on Facebook. Or I, I didn't find this job on Facebook. I got in contact with a lot of different um, agents who set up interviews um, through Facebook. Like I, I joined some groups like teaching roles in China and like there's there's so many groups on there um and then there's people advertising every day like uh trying to find trying to find people um so yeah i like i think i was in contact with maybe 10 different agents and they were all setting me up interviews i had a, quite a lot of interviews in quite a short space of time um and yeah it's it's very i found it very easy to get interviews that way obviously without those groups and stuff it's much more difficult like i ha i'd had one interview that i found on a website oh, i can't i can't remember the name of it now but there was a website where it had like job listings and stuff like that um and i had an interview for a job off that um which was higher pay than the one i'm doing but they were concerned with the um they, 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 when they responded to me, they said I was a very strong applicant, but they were, they, they didn't give me an exact reason. They just said we found someone else. But I feel like they were concerned that I wasn't going to get there on time because of the, the visa process, and they wanted someone to start, um, because they weren't a, like a term time school, so I think they wanted someone to start like ASAP, basically. Oh, okay, yeah, I suppose that's the, one of the barriers, isn't it, in terms of, um, going away and kind of working and living in another country that you will need to go through that visa process yeah i think for me maybe i'm a really kind of pessimistic person but i think my fear about going and kind of working abroad would be how would i know that this is kind of like legitimate if that makes sense like how do i know that it's a safe opportunity and i think have you got any kind of advice around that so say if I was really interested in going and working abroad how do I make sure that 
these opportunities that I'm seeing online are kind of legitimate and that it's going to be a kind of a safe um, space for me to work? Um, I guess the contract. Um, yeah, just uh, making sure that you have a contract. Um, and because I think a lot of countries and a lot of even a lot of in, uh, opportunities in China as well are might not be I don't want to say I don't want to say not safe but like the, there'll be so there'll be the majority of schools will be legitimate um, but there might be one or two where like they're they're not paying tax or something so they want to you know not give you a real contract and then and then you never know what's going to happen but I'd say that the majority are legitimate schools like look on look online um you can with China you can get um an app called WeChat um and that is it's kind of like their messenger app but you can search up schools on that and see like what they're putting as their public face and uh things like that so you can kind of get get an idea of is this school like having a public face like or stuff like you know or are they trying to hide themselves stuff like that so yeah it's um uh like i worked in china before actually um before studying i i i never had trouble there personally um but yeah it, uh, i can i can understand because you're going to the other side of the world and like can be very daunting I guess it also depends on your personality type and how um, how secure you want to be, uh, stuff like that. Like, if if you're willing to take the chance, or if you're like you want to have ev everything exactly in order before before you go. But yeah, I, I I guess just make sure that the contract is legit. You can use um, Google Translate on them. Um, but the contract should probably be in English as well. Um, that I guess that's something to look out for as well. Like try like ask for an ask for a contract in English. Um, and also, if you're working with an agent, your agent is obviously going to be looking for your best interests. Because um, like like for instance, the agent I, that got me this job, she lives in a completely different area of China, so she's not like she's connected to the school for business, not for like. You know that she'll probably get a, a piece of a bit of money for when I've signed the contract and I've started work, and maybe she'll get some upkeep there. But you know, she she told me that she's gonna be in contact with me the whole time I'm there, and if I have something that I don't want to talk to the school about, I can come to her and she'll try and mediate that. Um, so yeah, I, I think getting having an agent as well to sort of have your back is uh, is. is yeah, and I think you said as well that you were in touch with quite a few different agents and it might be that you feel like one of those agents might be more supportive or you've got a bit more of a rapport with and yeah. that you might try and kind of utilise their networks and connections more than someone else in terms of going with the interviews that they've set up. But I like the idea as well of kind of doing your background research around the school and and seeing kind of what, what kind of information's out there so that you can kind of just kind of check out the situation uh, and you know, if you've got any kind of worries or concerns that I'm sure there'd be someone as part of the process to talk that through yeah yeah like, like some some schools are 
because uh, I, I was applying for teaching in Taiwan as well and there was like two or three schools there that the names kept popping up um, and there were loads of people who have worked with them uh, so it's obviously like you know in that situation where there's a lot of people who have worked with the school you can you sort of there's a community of foreigners who have worked there so you can reach out to them and and ask them questions and most people are happy to happy to respond with a few messages um so you can sort of like get get a feel for how legit something is and also like i didn't get the same experience in china but china is a much much bigger country but you can always ask the school because a lot of schools will have a few foreign teachers like the school i'm going to work at i think they said they have like five other foreign teachers so again if you download that wechat app you can ask the school like oh could you give me one of the foreign a few of the foreign teachers wechat address and then you can talk to them directly and ask them some questions things like that oh yeah that's a really great idea and i suppose even using like professional networks like linkedin and being able to find people um through those kind of platforms that might have worked at different settings and asking them questions about what their experience has been like. Yeah. That'd be really great. So in terms of the kindergarten teacher role, what were the kind of uh, qualifications or experience required as part of like a person's specification? Um, so for a lot of in China, um, there's all the different provinces and they all have like slightly different laws, but a lot of the provinces that I... I guess a lot of the provinces have something similar where they are asking for you need a bachelor's degree in anything to to even apply for a visa so for example if you had a bachelor's degree in I don't know like art or something not education related then they ask you to have two years experience uh, working with children um, but if you have a bachelor's degree aimed on education then usually that's enough um, but if you have both, obviously, then then that's uh, then that's great. And I think I think because when I was at when I was doing my university course, because of the placements and having a job like working with children alongside as like a part time job. So uh, um, by the time I finished uni, I've got the teaching degree plus I've got the over two years experience. So it's kind of like makes me a stronger candidate. Yeah. So um, just for context, you. Quote me, tell me if I'm wrong. You did early childhood education with graduate practitioner, do so. Yeah, that gives you that kind of background and expertise in early years. And as you say, um, got the kind of graduate practitioner accreditation attached to that. It means you've got lots of experience in different settings. So you also said you worked alongside of your degree yeah. working with children. What what job did you do outside of uni? I did, it was a nursery, so it, I did it as my placement in the first year and a, li- and a little bit of the second year, and then just sort of carried on as as a job that I would do like full-time in the summer and then part-time during, during uh, term time. A good impression while you're there. They often don't want to lose you, and you know, if there's job opportunities there, then that's a really supportive yeah. way for you to also kind of support yourself financially at university in a relevant job as well. Yeah. And I, I found I found that working in a job that is to do with my degree was really beneficial as well because it I, I guess I can see the benefits of working something like you know if you're in a placement and 
studying about kids all the time it would be like you know a bit of time away from kids to to work in something else but i found i i, I got uh like you know i would do observations and stuff in my part-time job and be able to use that as part of my work yeah and i suppose it it's your passion as well isn't it like you're you're very passionate and enthusiastic about working with your children yeah. and i suppose you you were very much living and breathing it in the sense of you know studying it working in the sector uh and it's really nice to see that you're going off uh, and working in a, a relevant role as well um out of interest because i don't know this about you before you came to university you said you worked in china what did you do before um you did the degree i did a lot of traveling i worked in all sorts of different jobs like yeah like just just loads of different stuff like uh did a lot of music and like music festivals and things like that yeah like i i guess i didn't really find exactly what i want to do until until recently until i moved to china that's when i realized like oh, i want to work in early years um and i don't really want to do any any other kind of job but yeah i did i did all sorts of all sorts of stuff from like i worked in a grain storage site in australia and i worked in warehouses and restaurants in uk and just just loads loads of different random stuff i i did do a charity school in thailand quite a long time ago um for like six weeks or eight weeks or something and that was like my first the first time i'd worked with children education uh, i i really i really liked it uh but i didn't for some reason i didn't like at that point i i still had i was more in like the traveling mentality so i didn't think like oh, i need to stop and study and so how do you go from traveling working in a grain store slash restaurant slash warehouse to going hey i want to come back to the uk and study early years what what was that moment that made you go this is what i have to do this is my calling um well actually i was in china i was working in shanghai uh, with children and then i came back because during Chinese New Year, like the whole country basically shuts down and it's like a big, big national holiday. So I came back to UK for, I was going to be back for three weeks and that's that was uh, right at the end of 2019, uh, early 2020. And obviously COVID started um, and then the borders got closed and no foreigners were allowed to go into China. Like they completely shut it off. So I was stuck here and then... And then, yeah, I just thought like, uh, this is, you know, I, I, for, it took me quite a while to accept that my life over there was over for now. And when I did, I thought like, okay, like maybe it's, I think it's time to go further in this. Cause I, I really wanted to go back and I really wanted to carry on with my job, but it wasn't going to happen. So. And what job were you doing in Shanghai with children at the time? uh it was they they call it a training center it's it's not exactly a nursery because the parents don't drop the kids off like the parents come into the class with the children and some some of it we're like educating the parents like yeah most mostly it was like really high energy like we would give music class art class english class gym class uh do parties with them and oh it's something oh great so yeah, so then you came back to the UK and studied your degree, and so that that was kind of like what started you on this path. 
but um, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so in terms of your role that's due to start in China as the kindergarten teacher, if you don't mind talking about money, what what kind of salary can you expect to achieve um, in a role like that? So the salary is quite good, especially compared to UK. Like they have to have a competitive salary with, like most foreign countries have to have at least a mildly competitive salary with Western countries to to have English teachers come over. Because obviously, if they if they paid me as much as they pay a local, then no one's ever going to go. So the job is thirty thousand RMB a month, which is a, is more is a bit more than three thousand pounds a month. Plus, uh, they pay for my accommodation, or I get an allowance, which is 3,000 RMB, which is, you know, 300 and something pounds, which in my experience is enough to get like a, a small room, like a small flat. Um, well, in Shanghai it was, uh, and it might be a bit cheaper in this place because it's not like Shanghai. Um, and then if you want to get like a bigger place, then you just, you'll still have your 3,000 rmb and just put on whatever extra you want on top of that and i'll get a month off if i want in summer with 80 percent salary and two weeks off in winter with 100 percent salary a month's pay bonus at the end of the contract so thirty thousand rmb at the end of the contract which is the contract is two years and um i think they they said after I've been there for six months or something. They they give me a flight bonus, like they'll, they'll pay for a flight to go home, stuff like that. I think that's about it. So so in if if I add up all the bonuses, it's around forty thousand pounds a year. Yeah, hugely different by earlier system here than that. Yeah, massively, and and also the level of responsibility is going to be a lot lower. Like the the amount of work you have to do outside of work. That, that is job dependent. Like I did have an interview with a school that was like for older children. And judging by that interview, there was going to be a lot of work outside of work. Um, so it's, it's very job dependent on, you know, your out of work responsibilities. Yeah, the, and the living cost is maybe 70% lower than, than UK, I would say roughly. And I think as well, that kind of system where there's kind of bonuses extra perks you know that's something that's quite unfamiliar to our kind of like education system in the uk and i suppose it's kind of more reflective of like would you class it as like a private private school system that you're going to be working in yeah yeah it's a private school that i'm working yeah so um so yeah so i think you know if anyone was interested in studying abroad um then that's a really good opportunity. Um, personally, I know quite a lot of people that have gone and worked uh, and kind of taught abroad for a number of years because the salary is a lot greater uh, and use that as an opportunity to save up money um, and also have an amazing time travelling around. Um, and then kind of coming back to the UK with like um, a bigger savings pot if they want to kind of settle down and buy a house here. And let's face it, life is incredibly expensive, especially if you want yeah, on the property um so how you might you might know the answer to this you might not but how how do you imagine the future for you so like 
do you think you ever will come back to the UK? Is that like your long-term plan or is your plan to, you seem to have a real love of China. Can you imagine yourself always being there? Um, to be honest, I, I don't imagine living in China permanently. It is, a, it is a really, it's a really good place and it's, you know, the food is really good. The culture is really cool. People are nice. Um, but I, yeah, so, something tells me I won't be there like full t- long term. I think, I think I'll go there for a couple of years. Uh, like you say, to save up, to, to sort of, um, invest some, some earnings, try it. Cause I, yeah, I want to try and like have big boy money now and get a, get a house and stuff like that. Um, and I think the way, the way I'm looking at it is if I work in UK, I could maybe save what I can save in China in two years, in maybe six years, it would take to, to save here five, five years or something. So it's kind of just like fast forward a little bit, just, just grind for a bit fast forward like I, I i don't intend on having a really you know spending loads of money while i'm over there more just like keep my head down and work a lot um because they, they they said as well there's loads of extra hours going they have like weekend classes and if i want to stay for the summer then they have summer camp and stuff but you know, I, I figure if they're going to give me money to go on holiday anyway then i'm just gonna yep go i'll feel a great deal doesn't it yeah but um, uh, you know, taking some extra classes during the weekend stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely can can picture myself living abroad, eventually, but maybe not um, China. Okay. Well, it'd be really interesting to see um, where it takes you around the world. If you if you don't mind me asking, one of the kind of questions I wondered was, you know, you are a man working in an early years sector, which is predominantly dominated by women how how have you found kind of both kind of studying and working in that sector yeah interesting like I I think in total I've worked alongside maybe two or three men during the whole time um and everyone else has been women um I've, I've found it to be fine really like I feel I find like a lot of the time I'm not so involved in the click, which is fine for me because, because like, to be honest, I'd rather hang out with the kids anyway. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm not as involved in the click, um, like of the work group and stuff like that. Um, but I've never felt like pushed out at all. Um, everyone's always been very welcoming and very kind. But yeah, uh, I, I, and I, I think a lot of, a lot of things it's worked in my favor. Like, I feel like, like the the salary I mentioned in China, I it's not something I would have been offered straight away. It's something that I had to. I'm sure I'm a female candidate could definitely get that money as well, um, but it's something you have to say like this is what I want. Um, you know, you have to be quite assertive um, with with your salary expectations because they like a lot of jobs will be like. So I said thirty thousand RMB. So a lot of jobs will be like, "Oh, we'll pay between twenty-two thousand and thirty thousand, which is quite a large bracket." Um, so if you don't assert yourself to the high end of that bracket, then they, then you know, it will be like as low as they can, not as low as they can get, but you know, as low as they can think they think that you'll come and you'll work for quite a while and stuff like that. So I, I think in that in that situation being male has benefited me because i guess i'm a bit of a rarity like an an, an anomaly 
so it's you know it's kind of like a benefit to to say like listen i'm i'm like a a male teacher like some of the male students will look up to me blah blah blah, like things like that like i, I have a bit more ammunition i guess yeah yeah and i think as you say like some workplaces might be looking for you know kind of like trying to get more of a balance in their workforce there's lots of literature there isn't there around you know the importance of role models and the lack of men um in an early year sector that's a really interesting point that you mentioned that i'd like to circle back to around negotiating salary um i think a it's really un-british to talk about money b trying to haggle more money is really un-british so if people were interested in applying for a role what was your strategy then so they said the the salary band, if you like, was what twenty two thousand to thirty thousand. Did you just go straight to the top and say, "If you want me, it it's it's first. Like how how did you phrase it? How how you know how did you approach that? So some some schools don't offer quite up to thirty, um, and some schools offer more. Um, like the one I mentioned that I had the interview with, where they gave it to someone else. If I'd have got that job, I would have been asking for. I think I was asking for like thirty-eight to forty thousand, but their band was much, much wider than than other places. Yeah, I I always was so I sort of made a when I was scouting for jobs and seeing like what salaries they were offering. I was I made a decision like because I think because I've been there before really helped with my expectations because I sort of know. You know, I, I had a lot of friends over there and I know what other people were getting paid. And I knew I, when I was there before, like I, I was quite satisfied with the salary I was on, but it was actually quite low um, compared to like what I could have been paid. So, yeah, I, I had some experience with with the I, I had a bit of a map of, you know, the the territory. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say like that I've got experience um like five four five years experience i've got the degree that's focused in this early early years education so my expectation is like thirty thousand minimum and uh, well uh, actually i was asking most schools for 35 this was kind of I, I figured like if i go higher i would say 35 but in my mind i'd be like 30 is like is my you know is fine yeah my my only kind of thing that I can relate to this is when I'm trying to sell stuff on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> so in my head, I know I want ten pounds for this, so I'm going to twelve. And then when someone offers me ten pounds, I'm going to go, oh yeah, sure. And they feel like they've got a bargain, and I've got the same of money that yeah. I've never been in a yeah. position where I've haggled my salary. Yeah, I th- I think that that is like a well known strategy, you know, like whatever you want, you go. 10% over or whatever um because then people are the the school is more likely to because you know if I said like ah oh, I want 30,000 then maybe they can see see what they can do below that um but also there's all the the other benefits like like in China it's very common for teachers to have the housing benefit so because uh, after a load after a bunch of interviews there were kind of two schools that were in my like last two and I was waiting for the final offer from the other one and I had like a list of like expectations so depending on which ones met my list I, I would choose that one and the other school like weren't going to offer housing benefit and they one or two other things that I wanted they weren't going to offer 
Um, so it was like I, easy decision. As well, I think there's something there in the fact of maybe going for multiple interviews, even if you've got your heart really set on one particular setting, and that's where you think you want to go. But actually, from the sounds of things, if you do different interviews with different settings, you'll probably get a better feel for what is the expectation, like what are these different settings offerings. It's definitely not standardised across the sector. I think think if you've got better knowledge and understanding of what kind of salary, extra perks uh, and benefits you might be able to get, you can go back and say, kind of with much stronger conviction, no, this is what I want because I, you know, A, I've been offered this somewhere else. And I think it gives you a bit more power in terms of that negotiation because you're more kind of glued up about it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like do, do a bunch of interviews. Like I was doing, cause, cause of the time difference I was doing, um, I would organize an interview with a agent, um, for over there, my, my, in China time, my interviews were always like 12, 1 PM, but they would be like early morning before I went to work so I would wake up early do the interview and then have a shower and then and then go to work so I was, I was doing like one like trying to sort of get in as many in a week as I could um just just yeah like you said like get I feel like the more different places you contact the more because you, you can have an interview with somewhere and it's really nice and you can kind of have your heart set on it but if you're going all the way to the other side of the world and all that you kind of want to like I feel I want to be I want to get as much as I can because it's a big you know it's a it's a long journey and there's like for me personally I've, I've always done a lot of traveling I did I did I did a lot of traveling alone so I'm quite used to sort of going to an alien environment and not knowing anyone and all that it doesn't really phase me that much but for someone who doesn't have that sort of background or experience like you'll feel much more comfortable if you know you're getting a lot of money to be there you'll be like more like okay I'm a bit anxious about being here I don't know the language I don't know anyone here but you know I'm getting pretty crazy money uh compared to what I'd get home and I can eat outside for 50p you know like so it's like you okay like this this is going to be fine for a year or so. Like I can manage this. Um, Okay. So I feel like you've offered loads and loads of like top tips and advice, but if I was to ask you to try and capture like your kind of learning and kind of experience so far, if someone was interested in going to teach, you know, teach generally teaching early years in China or elsewhere around the world, what kind of three pieces of advice would you give to someone interested in a role like that? I guess find out what the sort of social network of that country is and then get on that and try and get in contact with some people. Um, some, Because, you know, like, like, for example, in China, if you're talking to the school, obviously you might always have the feeling that they're trying to sell you because you're you're the product and they're trying to buy you i guess so they're trying to you know you, you might not be completely trustworthy of everything they're saying so try and contact some people some foreigners over there so you can have a little conversation with them uh so yeah get, get on the local social network uh also facebook um like because there's so many people and and when there's a job advertisement you can see like 
some of them they'll just have people like answering like oh yeah look like i'm interested blah blah, blah. and then others they'll have like the little angry emoji and like loads of thumbs down and people like oh you, like this is a really bad salary and like there's the perks are really bad that this is a you know the the amount of holidays you're giving is not legal um so you you can kind of like pick up what's expected and uh all that kind of thing and yeah i guess the third point would be just just be bold i guess be brave you can always just get a plane ticket home like if, if it doesn't work out um fortune favors the brave i guess all right thank you so much Tim. is there anything else that you'd like to add before we finish no i mean i i have a lot to talk about but obviously there's a there's a limited time so no i guess that's it uh yeah if, if any if anyone listening to this needs help or anything then then uh they can contact me and I'll, i'm happy to talk to them when i've got time lovely thank you so much for that offer of support thank you very much Tim. no worries Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I hope you found it informative and inspiring. Please share the podcast with others that you think might find this useful and feel free to connect with us on Instagram. 